0: This is the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your virtual design guide to help you and your family have a healthy, beautiful landscape with less work. What's up, and welcome to episode 19 of the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. Guys, it is a great day here today. I'm so excited you're here. Um, I hope you're happy to be here as well. And uh, we're gonna have a great episode as usual. And I just want to say, you know, I when I'm recording this, it is it is absolutely gorgeous outside right now. So I pre-record these a lot of these episodes. So you know, when I record it, it's a little bit before uh, when you're listening to it, but. Uh, man, it's just so beautiful. And I'm sure when this episode comes out, it's also going to be beautiful wherever you are. And and that's just, you know, kind of my outlook on life is I I try and find beauty in every day. And some days, I'll I'll be honest, it can be really difficult. But I hope you work hard to find beauty in every day and in any way you can and to to savor that beauty. You know, every day is a gift. and, And it's important for us to to figure out how to how to make each day a gift, um, even when it seems difficult. So, so I hope you're finding today, finding beauty in today's, uh, (laughs) today, finding beauty in today and, and just, you know, savoring those moments that you can experience in every day. All those little moments really add up to make a big difference. So before we jump in today's episode, I wanted to share a little bit about uh, some previous episodes where, where I was wrong. That's right. Um, the, you know, I, I don't claim to be an absolute expert on anything. And, and you know, I, sometimes I question whether I'm an expert on anything, but... um. Some of the information I share, you know, it's based on my best knowledge and, and I'm trying to help everybody, each one of you, uh, in any way I can. And and so um, today I wanted to share that, that I shared some information in one of the lawn care episodes that uh, now I've come to realize is, is not accurate. So um, I mentioned about watering and how it's what time of day is best to water and, and usually... It's recommended uh, the earlier in the morning you water the better uh, before the day goes, you know, the sun comes up high in the sky, it gets really bright, really hot. Uh, An active photosynthesis going on, um, and then it's generally not recommended to water in the middle of the day, and same in the evening. Uh, but the middle of the day is was previously considered uh, kind of the worst time, and because part of that reason is when droplets of water get on the leaves, it can burn the leaves, uh, your foliage of your plants, and actually, um, you know, leave burn spots on your your leaves. Well. As it turns out, recent data has come out. Um, and you know, this was guidance even that the the British Royal Horticultural Society recommended. But now um, there's some recent studies that have come out um, from some folks in Europe that uh, conducted a study and, and couldn't find any difference in leaf kill between uh, plants that were watered uh, during peak sunlight hours. And so it's while it's still not great to water during that time it's not going to hurt your leaves apparently or at least there's no data showing that there that it will um and quite on the contrary um it, it actually you know it, it might not be bad for your plants the only downside is that you have a lot higher evaporation rate during the hot hours of the day, of course. So um, something to consider there. Anyway, I wanted to share that tidbit. My goal is to give you the best information possible uh, based on the information that I know. And, and of course, yes, sometimes I, I might say something that isn't accurate or is dead wrong and uh in this case you know it's it's some new findings that have come out in recent years that i wasn't aware of and um and while it's still not you know definitely not ideal to water in the middle of the day you're not gonna apparently you're not gonna be killing your plants like uh previously thought anyway let's get into the meat of the show today today's show is about annuals and perennials for your yard um you may hear a lot about annuals and perennials. You might not even know what the difference between them are. To be honest, you know, they're two very similar terms and they refer to different growth habits of plants and life cycles of plants. And sometimes it's to remember hard to remember which is which. So we're going to get into that today and we're going to try and understand what is the best for your yard when you're looking to design a beautiful and low maintenance landscape. So you're looking to save time in your yard, right? That's why we're here is is to save time. That's my goal with this podcast to help you to save time in your yard uh, so you can have more time to do more valuable things with your life. So what are annuals and perennials and what do they mean to you? That's really what we're going to try and talk about today. I'm going to try and cover that broad question or those two questions and to really help you understand what it means for you in your landscape and also I want to help you learn how to use uh, either annuals or perennials to save time and maximize beauty. So first uh, what about annuals? What are annuals? So annuals are plants that last for one growing season. So this is something uh, in northern latitudes or or middle latitudes like uh, the Midwest here uh, usually uh, you have plants that once the frost kind of thaws out and you you uh start to warm up a lot of plants will start growing uh, you know that's the beginning of the growing season and then throughout the summer throughout the warmer months they'll grow they'll flower they'll go to seed, and uh, they complete their life cycle all in that one growing season and then so by the the frost or or by the colder months they're finished they're done and and that's it and then the next year it's the next generation of that species that comes up and grows. So that's kind of the life cycle of an annual plant. When you're talking about annuals in your garden, these are plants that you need to replant them each year because of that. So let's take, for example, a zinnia. Very beautiful flower. You can get it as a start or start it from seed in your own garden. But um, you plant it, it's, it provides you a lot of beauty. Um, but then by, by the end of the season, it's done and you're going to need to replant it again. So, so that's an example of an annual and, and while they can provide a lot of beauty, they, um, they also are potentially more work because you have to plant them at the same time. So the thing with annuals is you you can actually generally get more beauty. So some annuals are very beautiful. They've been cultivated to, to provide a lot of beauty in a short amount of time with uh, their their life cycle. Um, But they're also at the same time, uh, more work. So you get more beauty, more of a pop, more of an accent. uh, But they're also more work because you have to plant them each year and to uh, potentially either grow them from seed or access them from some sort of nursery stock. Okay, so that's the short story on annuals. So basically, again, just a quick recap, you get it for a short period of time you can get a lot be- a lot of beauty out of them uh it provides you a lot of versatility from year to year if you like that you know change in style factor but the trade off is it's a lot of work to to plan to plant and to maintain uh so each time you plant them you, know, you have to make sure you're establishing them uh, pr- properly to make sure they get off on the right foot or the right root and um, Sorry, that was like a really bad dad pun, I guess. But, um, hey, I'm a dad and I'm really working hard on on getting some good ones. Anyway, all right, um... So at your expense, uh, let's move on to perennials. So perennials are your plants that last for multiple years. So some p- perennials are short-lived perennials. A lot of your herbaceous flowers are short-lived perennials. And some of them are are very long-lived perennials. Uh, can last for many, many, many years. And so example of short-lived perennial is actually a very popular Echinacea purpurea is your purple coneflower. And uh, that generally, we're actually... We have some that are a couple years old right now in our front garden, or what's left of our front garden, and um, and they're kind of fizzling out this year. So they really need to be a lot of those types of plants. Uh, they do every few years, and they need some work to be divided. And once you divide the roots, um, a lot of times they'll they'll pop back the following year. So usually you do that when the end of the season kind of the end of the growing season uh, when they're starting to become dormant is the best time to divide most plants. But you know that's a general recommendation. It's important to whatever plant you have to just check uh, what the best time to propagate it is and how to take care of it. So anyway um, a little too much detail though. So perennials are the plants that last multiple years um, and the short story for perennials is that they need less planting and less establishment because you're only establishing them once or maybe every couple years and that's it. Um, And so while I'm, you know, trying to give this a, an unbiased perspective about these plants, I think it's pretty obvious, which my favorites are. Um, And so let's just talk a little bit more about perennials. So for perennials, you've got less work overall. That's the real message here is uh, from a design standpoint, from planting, uh, from establishment, uh, weeding and removal. So for the design phase, you know, you're talking about one time you plan, how or what perennials you want to have in what space how big they're going to grow how often you might have to divide them um, and how far of a spread they're going to make if they're a spreading type of plant Um, if they're a clumping plant you just plan how many do you need how often do you you need to divide it if it uh, just needs division every couple years or how often you might need to replant it with the same plant um from planting and establishment i think that speaks for itself you have to do it less often right um the weeding piece and removal piece once your plants are better established you have less weeding because you have less disturbance of your soil and you also have less less exposed soil over long term so so it actually leads to fewer weeds which is really awesome and you know that's a piece uh, that a lot of people overlook with perennial plantings so it's something to consider there for sure and of course. Uh, with the annuals you have to remove the dead material um, and actually sometimes dig it out of the ground or whatever uh, which is I guess a bit more rare but um, perennials you know you kind of just kind of pull back the dead material quickly and leave the roots uh, for the next growing season and that's it. So here's some tips for using perennials. Uh, So if it's not obvious already uh, my preference is perennials because they're a lot less work. Um, So In our landscape, we have primarily perennial plants, Um, and in my design principles, I use primarily perennial plants. Now, there are a few exceptions, which we'll get into later, but uh, for now, let's just focus on some perennials and how to use them appropriately, because if you do not use your perennials appropriately, they can be a lot of work, and that's not what we want here. So, first, you want to select plants that are hardy and well-adapted to your region, So if you don't select plants that are well adapted to your specific location and to your region, you're going to be dealing with a lot of work through amendments and uh, taking care of them uh, over the long term. And that's not what we want. What we want here is something that we can establish, uh, get on a a good footing pretty quickly, hopefully. And once it's going, it's kind of leave it on its own and, and take care of it every once in a while. Not have to deal with disease issues or feeding issues, fertility issues, or any sort of plant weaknesses that might need work or irrigation. Um, so we want to avoid as much of that as possible. And, and so, uh, there's a lot, of, uh, several factors to consider. I'm going to point out a few here. Um, and, and of course the other piece with that too, is that we want to get mo- the most beauty out of that as possible. You know, here, we're not talking about just kind of leaving your landscape, go to, to natural scrubland or whatever, or to be invaded with, um, uh, you know, your your local palette of uh, invasive exotics. Um, here we're talking about getting a lot of beauty, but also reducing work as much as possible. And so how do we do that with our perennials? Well, with your hardy and well-adapted plants, what we're talking about here is you want to look at the the specific area you're planting or you're planning for, and you want to understand what's the sun requirements for that area and match that to the plant uh, what What type of sunlight the plant can tolerate um, same with moisture so what 's the available moisture in that area? Uh, you know you might have some high spots and low spots and and those are going to be very different in their moisture um, over um, time and and also what 's the 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 general climatic moisture in your area so do you have very very dry summers uh, for example, and you also want to understand your soil so Uh, I've recommended many times to get a soil test, and this is another great reason to point out why it's helpful to have a soil test from your local county extension office, your local um, university extension, or um, there's several other kind of private soil testing labs as well you can find. And... And so a soil test will tell you what type of soil you have, how much organic matter you have, what's your fertility, um, what type of mineral availability you have, and those sorts of things. What's your pH? Um, These are all very important for understanding what plants to put in that specific area. So next, you want to understand, and this is... Uh, these aren't in any specific order that I probably should have mentioned this first is what's your u s d a zone that's kind of like one of the basic things to understand about your space when you're thinking about plants is what's your u s d a zone and what that is if you're not familiar with it is is the United States is divided up kind of almost uh with horizontal lines going across latitudes but there's there's changes of course with the mountainous regions in the west um and various uh weather Uh, changes throughout the united states that affects this but but in general uh, as you go up north across the united states you you go um, you go down in number for you your usda zone and this basically is rated on the low temperature of the areas the average low temperature over uh, a general time period and and these numbers basically tell you what plants can grow in that condition. So if you grow a plant that's adapted to, let's say, an avocado tree, right? Um, something a lot of people are familiar with. You can't grow avocados in southeastern Ohio outdoors because they can't survive the winter. So the roots will actually die because the soil gets too cold. And vice versa, a lot of apples, for example, they're not native to, um, you know, North America, but but apples can't actually grow in the southern climates because uh, there's not enough cold. For, for the plants to um, go through their life cycle as they're, they're adapted to. And so there's kind of trade-offs both ways. And, of course, with these climatic changes as well, you have differences in, in moisture availability and evaporation rates and all sorts of other things. And so it's important to make sure that you're planting a plant that is adapted to your USDA zone. Okay. Okay. So the other piece is fertility, I kind of touched upon it with the soil piece. But um, if you have very low fertility, this is something you can adjust um, over time. It's not something you can kind of just flip a switch. But but if you're establishing a garden bed or whatever, you can really do a lot to help boost the fertility with addition of amendments, uh, specifically compost and topsoil. And Uh, Something you may have to manage over the short term if you really want a higher fertility space. But there are also plants that are adapted to low fertility conditions. So understanding what your fertility is in your space and what you're willing to do uh, to maybe nurse the plant in the short term if it needs a higher fertility or to select plants that are really well adapted to your, um, your lower fertility conditions. Uh, the next is disease and pests, of course. So, what plants are disease resistant? So, understanding what what uh, susceptibilities the plants you're considering have, and and if there's alternatives that that may be closely related or may just have similar structure and form or, or color that you're looking for, and uh, it, that you could trade off to um, obtain the the desired outcome with, uh, with more resilience. So those are kind of some tips for, um, selecting hardy plants for your region and also your specific space. And the next point I want to make is that beauty is secondary to hardiness. So you may really, really want like your, your awesome, I don't know, um, An orchid right you may you may want an orchid garden in your front yard right so just to kind of pick an extreme example well orchids aren't exactly adapted to most people's front yards and so it's actually a pretty extreme condition for something like an orchid to grow and so you can't just have you know that's why you don't partly why you don't see orchid gardens in people's front yards right is it's a lot of work to maintain the conditions necessary for that plant to thrive and to do it in a way where it's going to provide beautiful blooms on a consistent basis frequently enough for you to enjoy it. So that's just an example of, of first you want to select for hardiness and adaptability to your space. And secondly, then you look for beauty. Okay, so, so what plants are adapted to my space and then what of those types of plants provide the beauty I'm looking for? or similar types of beauty that I'm looking for, for my space. So that's kind of so a way to think about it. And so when you're talking about that, of course, you want to think about your foliage. So the kind of the texture of your foliage or the color, um, the bloom, same thing. So your, your size of blooms, your colors of blooms, the timing of your blooms, uh, the structure of your plant. So how does it look is it a loose structure? Is it a very dense structure? Does it uh, provide like a columnar form or an upright form or is it kind of a spreading thing? Um, those are all important things. And then, of course, the mature size as well. So if you're talking about a grun- ground cover, uh, it's a spreading ground cover. How wide will it spread? Is it indefinite? How, over what time frame? Or if it's a clumping type perennial, how wide does the clump grow? Um, How tall does it grow? If it's, you know, next to your front window, you don't want it to completely cover your front window after two years or by the end of the growing season. You know, know, if you plant a bunch of sunflowers right in front of your front window, they're going to be covering up your front window by the end of the summer. Um, Same with trees or shrubs. This is very, very important because those are generally even longer term plants. So it's really important to consider those. So after we consider all those kind of design and beauty aspects we also want to understand our long-term maintenance need for perennials so do you need to divide them every few years so this goes back to what I said earlier in the episode about um, some perennials they're actually short-lived perennials but you can extend their lifespan by dividing them so they kind of get in renewed vigor by you know you're actually stressing the plant but what it does is it is it kind of forces the plant to put out new roots and almost kind of like turns it into the younger plant again. And and then you have two plants because you're dividing it, right? So um, do you need to divide them every few years? Do you, do you understand the mature size of the plant? Just to echo that again, because it's really important. Uh, what's the lifespan of your plant? So is it a two-year perennial? So a biennial, right? Or is this a 20-year plant? Or does it kind of fade off after about four or five years and you should consider a replanting schedule so these are all things you want to figure out and determine what are your interests to maintain that and whether it fits into your lifestyle and last of course long-term maintenance needs we want to understand what's the fertility needs of this plant so this is anything from your lawn to your gardens to your trees that you have in your landscape What are the long-term fertility needs and does that match what you have available on your site or does it match the amount of work you're willing to invest to maintain that fertility? And and that's really important because if your plant doesn't have the right amount of fertility, it doesn't have the right amount of health, it's going going to be susceptible to disease and stress issues and you're going to deal with a lot of problems then and it's going to be a lot more work. So you kind of see how this all fits together. Okay, and of course, the last thing I want to point out here with your perennials is you want to do this whole selection process before you go to the nursery because once you're at the nursery, you're going to be overwhelmed by all the choices in front of you and it's a poor display of information. You're looking at the plant itself as opposed to trying to understand all these elements to to determine what's the right fit for you? And here's the reality. Nurseries don't always supply the low maintenance plants that are best for your landscape. They're going to supply what creates sales for them. So what what makes the nursery money? And if people are going to buy it, then they're going to try and provide it for you. And so that doesn't mean that everything at your local nursery is going to be the best plant for your landscape. That's kind of up to you or your designer to decide if, you, if you're trying to uh, work with a designer here. But make sure, again, as I've said in previous episodes, that your designer understands your intent for a low-maintenance landscape. Because a lot of designers design for beauty. And so you want to make it abundantly clear that you're looking for a, a landscape that has beauty and less work. And, and so that's just an aside there to make sure that if you're working with somebody else on this, that you really make it clear to them that, that your intent is to reduce the amount of time you have to spend, uh, on unplanned, you know, you want to be able to be in your landscape when you want to, not when your plants want to. I guess that's what I'm trying to articulate here. So, so yeah, make it on your terms, right? Maybe you do want to be in your landscape, but you don't have to be working in your landscape. You want to be enjoying it, right? So make sure that's abundantly clear to both yourself or the person who's designing your landscape. Okay, so yeah, select your plants before you go to the nursery. That's, that's a very, very common mistake and it gets us into a lot of trouble. I've been there, I've done it, I'll probably do it again someday and I will kick myself for it. So just make sure you're aware of that because it will help you plan things appropriately as opposed to make mistakes that are going to make you have to go back to the nursery again for something better for your space. Okay. So the last piece I want to say here after we've, so we've kind of wrapped up what I wanted to say about perennials. Okay. Now I want to step back to annuals once more, just very briefly, and to point out that some are low maintenance and, you know, you're probably thinking, hold on a minute. You just said annuals are more work because you have to plant them every every year. Well, that's true for the most part. However, there are some annuals that are self-reseeding. Okay. So that basically means once they complete their growth cycle, they've flowered, they've gone to seed, and then they actually drop their seed. Okay, so those seeds, some, uh, some annuals are vigorous enough where those seeds will self-re-germinate the next year and you'll get a, a space or an area that that is uh, very abundantly uh, reproduced with the same annuals year to year. Now, you may have to manage it somewhat to reseed it on occasion or to kind of you know, pull out the ones that are, are spreading to a space you don't want. But in general, you can get some annuals that give you the effect of a perennial, essentially, where you don't have to be out there actively maintaining the space, and you get the beauty you want out of the manual. Um, so essentially what they're doing is their new plants repopulating in the same space. So they're filling the space that was left by its parent the previous year. So a great example of this is a a little small grouping of marigolds in my parents' front yard. So when I was pretty young, I planted some marigold seeds in my mom's front garden. I'm sure it was with her permission. Um, (laughs) And these marigolds have essentially come back every year for many many years and i you know to be honest i haven't i haven't popped my head out there to see if if they're there this year or not but but these these marigolds are an annual generally speaking at least in our climate this type of marigold is an annual and and however though the the seeds have dropped each year in that same space and we get a couple marigold plants that come back up every year in the same space and it's it's a nice little uh pop of beauty of of uh deep orange and and yellow and a little bit of red that we get each year uh, in late summer so it's it's pretty fun so that's an example of a very low maintenance annual that's just kind of taking care of itself for many years on end so That's essentially what I have for today, guys. This is a relatively short episode compared to some of them, but uh, I hope you've gotten a lot of value out of this, and I hope this has given you clarity on the difference between annuals and perennials, and also understanding what that means for your landscape. So that's really important, is to understand what what translates to less work, but still getting a lot of beauty out of your landscape. That's why we're here, is we want to take away the work from our landscape that's required, for ongoing maintenance and we want to give that work back to something more important we're going to give that time back to something more important so something more important for your life that you can follow your passions spend time with your family have more time to just relax right all those things are very important and and we don't need to be spending it on just maintaining our landscape and so that's what these episodes are all about, and I hope you've enjoyed them so far. So one thing I want to say before we go is that I have a low-maintenance plants giveaway where there's a a short list of some examples of low-maintenance plants that are uh, most likely going to work well in your landscape. Now, I, I will put the caveat in that you know i'm best at understanding what works for the eastern united states and so a lot of these plants are specific to the eastern united states now that said there are a lot of similar species that are on this list that are also adapted to the mountainous regions or the western u.s so across the rockies over in you folks over in california and such so uh it's still worth checking out and it's a good reference just to understand a few examples of plants a lot of these are actually native plants too which is really cool so you get a lot of beauty but you also know that you're you're kind of helping the native environment um at the same time so it's pretty cool um, so go check it out. Uh, I have a link in the show notes here for you. So you just go click on that link. You can get your low maintenance plants giveaway. And with that too, if, if this is something where you'd like a little bit of help on, I do offer consultation. So if you want to check out my consultation options, you can go over, again, check the link in the show notes or go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash consulting. And you can see the options right there. Um, with that, guys, you know, I want to say ask a question on the podcast page aestheticecosystems.com pod and there right in front you'll see a button to click and ask a question you can get an answer directly from me if you like if you have any questions about your landscape and of course all these links are going to be in the show notes so with that go out get in your landscape make a positive difference in your life thanks for tuning in and make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today